A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Yeah. Uh, how you doing? Uh, this is uh, Eric Siska from the We Hate Movies podcast. Uh, and you're listening to The uh, 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 the uh, Marvelists uh, with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. There's a little bit of a pregnant pause. I apologize. I don't know why. I was expecting you to go, I'm Eddie Wilson. I know who I am. Oh, thank you. That's good. (laughs) And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and introducing our very special guest or guest co-host, whichever one, you know, doesn't annoy Eddie usually, we are going to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, thar, social medias. Two hands around the neck. Go. (laughs) Well, first up, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Marvelists. You can find us individually on social media at, well, I just want to see, oh, good, good, you caught that, Eddie. I'm watching. Thank you, uh, Rockwell. You want to. Uh, I, I get the reference. Not bald but, yet. You know, okay. But you can find us individually on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Melnick, and there's only one place in the whole wide, worldwide interwebs that you can find E. Wilson, and that is on the IG at Eddie nine one nine three. Or you know, you want, if you want to use the at, you can say the at. Do you want to say the at, Eddie? At Eddie. Eh, good enough. Anyway, you can also find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms: TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, etc. Basically, just Google us, and you'll find us. You can also help support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash themarvelists or slash themarvelists. And you can also be able to support the show for as little as $3 a month to as maximum as whatever your heart desires. We like, you know, we would like your money. You know, you know we would like a, the appreciation. The goodwill donation, yes. Yes, and goodwill hunting. That was shoehorned as shit. But you Ew. can help support the show. Not, it wasn't shoehorned. No, no not literally in. Anyway, you can <laughs> you can guys as guys as the jan- as the janitor here. I'm going to solve this problem immediately. <laughs> you can <laughs> just if you're a listener of the podcast We Hate Movies, you might recognize that other voice. And no, it is not Bane; it is someone else. But we'll get to that. But we are on Patreon, where you can help support the show and get our Fantastic Four recap show, The Fantastic Voyage where we cover all 102 plus annuals plus tie-ins plus whatever issues of the iconic Stanley and Jack Kirby run. What if? Yes, what if, Eddie? That too. Well, yeah, if you want to do that. What if the Marvel bullpen were the Fantastic Four? That's a good idea. We should do that. Thought of that today. Anyway. You can also support the show on BelowTheCollar.com slash The Marvelists. And buy our Dad Joke Immune t-shirt, where we got a five-star review that still somehow put us down, but we said screw it, so we're making it into a t-shirt. Anyway, BelowTheCollar.com slash The Marvelists. Now joining us on the other end of the tin can and string, but technically through audio editing, it'll make it sound like he's here with us. We are joined with one-fourth of the podcast We Hate Movies, Eric Siska. Eric, good evening. Thank you for having me, and I'm very thrilled to be here, astral projecting my way in. That is the magic of editing, the beauty of editing, where, you know, I'm, I'm also going to, like, uh, throw you through that little uh, vortex kind of thing, you know. Swirly that, uh, thing, yeah. Peter Hooten, well, we're not giving him a swirly, but we're going to throw him through <sighs> that Peter Hooten thing. Oh, yeah. Now, first off, just the name alone with uh, the, well, the topic at hand for this episode, we are talking about Doctor Strange. 1977, the made-for-TV movie starring Peter Hooten. I'm just going to keep saying his name because I love saying that name. 78, I thought. But it is... It, it, well, <laughs> catching me off guard over here, Eddie. That's right. But we're talking this movie, and gentlemen, right off the bat, what a strange movie this was, and yes, that was a pun intended. Many levels. Mm-hmm. It lives up to its title. I think, Eric, where Peter was starting to go, and I was going to say, you're taking my question away. We have heard your name, and we hate movies uh, lots of times on the regular podcast that we do. And 
I guess it can be taken two ways. Like, why we hate movies? That just sounds terrible. But then again, it could be like, well, wait a minute. This sounds like, what does this mean? I have to find out. So it could be a, a magnet, like like the accent you can't take your eyes away from kind of thing. Yeah, the, the whole we hate movies monkeyer. it's, uh, you know, uh, I... It's sort of something we just threw threw on to like people will know we're kind of just trashing bad movies and that we'll have fun with it. But yes, it kind of treads the line. And you know, when and when we started the show in uh, 2010, we didn't realize hate was going to make such a big comeback in this country. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way, on the 10 year anniversary of the program. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and it's uh, so your listeners are aware. It's just a uh, you know, it's a movie, uh, not a movie. It's a podcast where we talk about movies, sometimes good, sometimes bad, and we kind of use them as springboards for a bit of comedy and analysis. And there's been a lot of really, really great bad movies that you guys have covered, and recently on the program, thanks to Listener Request Month, you guys did the past, and I'm so sorry for all of you involved. Yeah, that was a, a miserable experience. But I mean, that's the joy of the listener requests is they like to put us through the ringer a bit. And one of the things about the show as well is your Patreon, where you go to patreon.com slash we hate movies. And the thing that got me into supporting the show with the Patreon was the Nexus. As somebody that's, you know, been a lifelong Star Wars fan, I've wanted to get into Trek. And I realized, you know what? I like what these guys do in terms of the comedy, in terms of having that dynamic and I have a feeling they're going to make me appreciate Star Trek more than I ever would have just watching it by itself and needless to say when I listen to new metal I do think of a certain doctor from uh, the 1967 <laughs> series yeah yeah we uh, we kind of got into a, a, a rhythm of having uh, Dr. Bones McCoy a new metal fan and you know a, a appreciator of the music of the 90s my favorite thing about the impression of Bones McCoy on the show is Bones doesn't really sound like that, nor does he ever say Jim Boy, but I always do that impression now when I talk about Bones McCoy in conversation. Cause you know that well, you know, happen. Jim, I like to follow the leader. That's a corn album. <laughs> and also just in relation to the uh, Patreon, you guys did the corn cast, which I'm so bummed out that the corn concert did not get to happen, but I'm so glad we got the corn cast. Yes, yeah, we reviewed every single song on uh, Follow the Leader, and it took, I think it took like three-something hours to record because we all just listened to it in real time together, like over Spotify from our separate locations, and it edited down into like an hour and 47 minutes of us just talking about each individual track off that album. And again, you know, also on the topic of the Patreon and tying into the comic book movies, and I, I assure you, audience at home, we will be getting into... Doctor Strange 1977, but speaking of long and convoluted and, you know, very long run times of four hours, you guys are going to be covering Joss, or I was going to say Joss Whedon's, no, Zack Snyder's The Snyder Cut. Of that's right. That's right. We, uh, we did Josh Whedon's version as a syncable commentary track, so I am now excited, excited, I don't know if that's the word for it, to dive into the Snyder Cut, the four-hour whatever, and we are going to be doing at least two episodes on our Patreon for that. And it's funny because when you guys did the uh, Just Justice League mentary, I was you know very much on board to check that out because I... Originally, upon my initial viewing of the, you know, the Whedon version of Justice League, I didn't mind it. I thought it was, and you know, it was a comic book movie. I was entertained. There were costumes. There yeah. was running. There was fun had by all. I was surprised by it as well. I did not like uh, Superman v. Batman colon Dawn Justice or whatever it was called. But uh, uh, the the Justice League, I was just like, eh, it's, it seems inoffensive. It's whatever. And uh, I just feel like the new one's going to be worse because it's going to be double the runtime. Do you think the uh, the League of Skeletons will be showing up? I sincerely hope so. <laughs> Eric, I just want to ask one thing, and maybe we will move on to Doctor Strange. With We Hate Movies, and I'm sorry, I have can't say I've listened. Not a huge podcast listener, but gradually growing like like things, old person, like change, whatever. But you do you must rate on a scale of one to something, each one that you review? 
We uh, we kind of do a, a roundup at the end of our, our show where we say like, oh, would you recommend it? Which a lot of people are like, why would you tell people if you recommend it at the end of just talking about every single detail of the film? But so it's kind of like a thumbs up or thumbs down scenario. It's probably safer than trying to rate it with stars or, well, Peter would always do that one out of five or one out of ten possibly. But uh, this almost made me think of you'd have to give it, you know, three trash cans or something or maybe a, a two, <laughs> two and an Oscar the Grouch. But then it might be, you know, Sesame Street infringement. I don't know. Yeah, but that's a great see the Oscar the Grouch is a great one to, to get for your movie because that means you found something in the trash. There was something to it. That's it. That next step, Toxic Avenger. I don't know. Oh, yeah. The thing is, though, with, you know, the recommendation of the idea of, like, why would you recommend a bad movie? There are bad movies where you get recommended them, and they are very much their own unique viewing experience. Thanks to you yeah. guys, you know, and also the documentary Electric Boogaloo, the untold story of Canon Pictures, Death Wish is a part of my film collection now. <laughs> Wait, and, that's breaking well, two, well, isn't it? Well, they call the documentary Electric Boogaloo, but oh. that's where it comes from because it comes from I Canon remember Pictures. breaking. There ain't no stopping us. Yeah, okay. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Is like uh, we, you know, we, it's we hate movies. We mostly do bad movies, and uh, that's the thing. Is like I love, mo I love a lot of bad movies. I wouldn't do the show otherwise. Yeah. And that's that's the thing, you know. And also, it, it just leads to the ability of doing all the impressions of some of the actors. Like my favorite is still anytime a Charles Bronson movie is discussed, and no, Pelly, this ain't over. <laughs> yeah. But the idea of all of these movies and just where they're going much like you know my long palavering intro for this but i think bad movies can be a great thing in a lot of ways because it's you know you look at them and you want to learn what worked for it what didn't work for it and yeah yeah and I, one big perk for for bad movies or b movies is you can get a pretty good level of drunk and not uh, have it really interfere with your memory of the plot how about uh, tall glasses of water? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're legally available. It's funny. That is a, a name we gave a certain thing uh, because we didn't want our employers to find out. But now uh, <laughs> here we are. But with this, we're talking about Doctor Strange. And yes, I think this is the movie that is perfect for many tall glasses of water. Yes. Wow. Yes. Probably, um, I was going to say probably overdue because at least with Peter and I having reviewed all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies since Iron Man, when we got to Doctor Strange, we like we we may have mentioned yes, there was we were contemplating an doing, early one. We yeah. just never did and kept moving along, I suppose. And it's funny because movies like this one, and I went in this movie and my initial uh, DMs with Eric about this yesterday, as we're talking about it, as of this recording on Stone Cold Steve Austin Day 316, we were talking about it and I said, so I'm watching the movie now, woof. And that opinion kind of changed throughout the movie. Like, I'm like, eh, you know what? I, I was kind of in the uh, Eddie set where it's like, well, they named the characters after the comic characters. I kind of like this. And I was kind of enjoying the movie. I'm like, you know, you turn your brain off for a little bit, and you're just like, this is fun. And I'm shocked at how much I liked it. Yeah. I, I, I really I have a soft spot for all the, like, cheesy old effects where they're shooting, like, force lightning laser beams at each other. I was dying when yeah. uh, Morgan Le Fay has her arms uh, crossed as she's getting, you know, uh, Zapped. Palpatined. Just, I don't know why. Just that <laughs> visual is one of the funniest things of the whole movie. That and the uh, the Muppet thing that Morgan Le Fay talks to in the very beginning. The nameless one. Okay, he's got a name then. That's what I thought it was. N the nameless one. That's what I thought that, they called it in the. Yeah, exactly. So he does have a name. But it's a. Uh, they call it a, a made-for-TV and very loose adaptation. Now, can I? Yeah. Can I set up the the framework here because the opening screen has. Not like a Star Wars scroll, li scroll? No, laying, you know, and going off into space. Are we ready for this yep. one hour and 33 minute journey? There is <laughs> a barrier that separates the known from the unknown. Beyond this threshold lies a battleground where forces of good and evil are in eternal conflict. The fate of mankind hangs in the balance and awaits the outcome. Next screen. In every, <laughs> Thank you for the transition, Sandy. In every age and time, some of us are called upon to join the battle. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just going along with it because I never came near that. Only heard of it. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Eddie Wilson, yeah. Street Fighter enthusiast. I, not, 
I appreciate a, a scroll or whatever you would call that, like this weird introduction. I guess it lets you know we're getting into the supernatural, which is which is exciting. And unknown. Omega, yeah. the unknown. Thank you, Steve Gerber. We appreciate the Oof. And there's your guy, and, Peter Hooten. Ah, uh, Peter Hooten, yes. And I believe this was also I think they were trying to make this a television show at some point. Because even though it's it's classified as a TV movie now, I noticed the the guest star of Jessica Walter in the uh, opening credits. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in agreement. I think this they were eyeing this to be a series. Like this was you know just a pilot, and they give the extended time. I I would have liked to have seen this as like you know the starts of a Marvel television universe. You know would have been great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I apparently it went up against Roots and got crushed. Yeah, that'll happen. Well, by uh, so Peter Hooten, by the way, uh, you know, uh, in Orca from '77 and the original Inglorious Bastards from 1978, which I hot take might like more than the Tarantino version. I remember uh, during the the uh, We Love Movies episode you guys did of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I noticed that you were just you very quiet about Inglorious. I was like, really, huh? I did, for whatever reason, it didn't grab me. I think around the time that movie was coming out, I was very much getting into these, uh, you know, World War II movies, Kelly's Heroes, obviously Dirty Dozen, but also like the lesser known ones, maybe the foreign imports like Five for Hell. I think Klaus Kinski's in that one. But uh, I kind of got into like all that World War II cheeseball filmmaking, and I was kind of excited for the Tarantino movie, and I just felt like, it wasn't. It was very far off from the films of the '60s and '70s that I expected. Now, what about the Five Fists of McCluskey? Oh, now that oof, what a picture! <laughs> Get a cognac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shuffle into the screening room. Yeah. Uh, I think I just want to mention some of these characters, these uh, actor names, as we get into this too. Of course, Peter Hooten, because we can't say his name enough. Uh, Clyde Kusatsu. I kind of practice that in my head. I think that's the character of Wong, correct? I believe so. Okay, good. Jessica Walter, as mentioned. Uh, also, Eddie Benton, Philip Sterling, and John Mills as Thomas Lindmer. All and people who have never been in my kitchen. They're exactly correct. <laughs> and and we open, of course, with the, the nameless one talking to Morgan, and she's apparently not done too well in his service. She's kind of messed things up or not fulfilled her assignment mission, but now she's got three days to destroy the old man. And here we then tra- transition next scene into seeing and meeting Dr. Stephen Strange. And right away when I f- personally had seen the opening, I'm like, well, this is exactly the same as what they did in the movie. And it says on his, uh, his uh, I guess it's the hospital door, he's uh, a resident. And uh, he's arrogant. He's narcissistic. He is a big deal. He's he's all like you know like a Tony Stark Iron Man thing and or like the Stephen Strange of the more recent movie. So I, I'm like, yeah, well, this is I, his character. I mean, yeah. I yeah, I liked the idea of him being the er- again because as I'm watching the movie, I'm just like, they're actually good. Are they going to mess up his hands? Like, is it going to be like you know in the That's opening funny Grand Theft Auto Three with my hands my, are too messed up to drive, brother? As time goes by, Eric, I'll tell you, my wife has gotten into the movies, and she's asking me, well. Does he have the accent? What happens to his hands? I said, no, it's different. <laughs> so, yeah, you know the Doctor Strange movie, uh, the 2011 one. I was probably my favorite out of the MCU. So, and so I just love, like I I went back to this one. I, I watched it after I saw the the MCU version, uh, and there's all those elements there, and it's all like a lot of the stuff that I I loved about that. You know, the MCU movie is is still present in this. Just the whole weirdo occult type of angle um, because I very much want actual power in terms of, you know, reaching the nether world or, uh, you know, nether realms, dimensions, uh, you know, dark magic, black magic. If anyone's listening to this in some type of coven, please uh, at me, uh, Eric Siska, E-R-I-C-S-Z-Y-S-Z-K-A on Twitter, and maybe we can come to an understanding. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of music, did it kind of come out, come at you really, the, the tonality of the music going into different scenes that it was 70s, I guess, that was what they wanted to do, the paint picture or set tone or mood, like it struck me? 
well, yeah, the, the it's kind of like a synth going on here, and I'm I'm like I'm like digging it. It's kind of like a like an off-brand John Carpenter that that scored this movie. Well, my, for myself, as I was watching this, I had the uh, I had the subtitles on, and towards the end of the movie, there's a part where it just goes in parentheses, "evil synthesizer swells," <laughs> <laughs> like something like that. I'm just like, wow. Does, did that actually help with? Because I don't think it was a too what, difficult subtitles? in some. To, to yeah. help with that, I, I still do it just in case you know I might have missed something. Yeah, I think that's something I got to try uh, try out. It'll help you um, absorb more better, more better. That's it. Yeah, yeah good enough. But <laughs> for, part of the language that they wrote into this, like for example, a strange telling, I guess a middle, maybe a little bit older than middle aged woman, your ulcers will go away if you just lay off the juice. I'm gonna write that down. Because she's got a little drinking habit. <laughs> I want to know what her poison is. Yeah, I think it's vodka. <laughs> And of course, how you couldn't recognize that that Morgan's power is at work with that strange sci-fi FX type of a sound, whether it's the kids that first are crowding around the cab, uh, they're looking for a handout or money of some kind, and she kind of, you know, mind controls people that she comes into contact with and has them, you know, do her bidding or let her in the building, the hospital, whatever the kind of thing is going on. And uh, we get in, of course, to the... Uh, uh, the one of the first big action things, and that's pushing the old man off the overpass. <laughs> I love, I love this, and what a great way to set up your movie. We're getting into it. Old men are flying off overpasses, almost getting hit by cars. I love the fact, like they repeatedly show him throughout the the course of the movie throwing him off of the bridge. I feel like they like, and he had fun. You could tell doing this <laughs> over and over. <laughs> I want to say they showed him falling off the bridge up close too, like five times at the very least. If it wasn't the actual throwing off scene, it was his shocked, wide-eyed, open mouth face. The, that's the one I'm talking well, about. You know, it, it's a great moment, and you shot it. You might as well get your money's worth for it. It's a TV movie. People might be going to the bathroom or getting dinner ready or whatever, so they they might miss it, and you, you can't miss it because it's a great moment, great moment of an old man being pushed off an overpass and... well. <laughs> That's what all these movies should have. If if the MCU or the Snyder Cut does it, I'm I'm suddenly a happier camper going to the theater. The one that I just thought of now that would be similar in its way only because of the action that unfolded was in the Thomas Jane Punisher and John Travolta throwing his wife off a bridge. <laughs> she, he thought you know she what? was cheating. We, 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 we've done that. I think we've done an episode on that, uh, but I don't remember it. So <laughs> that's what I love. What I love about podcasting is I can always go back and see what I thought of something, even though I have no memory of it. Yeah, but did, sometimes do you want to? I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you did it, you recorded it, you listened to it, let's move on, please. First, yes, first exactly. Um, by the way, the, the woman that pushes him over the, the overpass there, possessed by Jessica Walter, turns out, uh, it's I believe the, the actor is Anne Marie Martin, who went on to write the movie Twister. Oh, wow, okay, cool fact. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask, too, on that note that we're up to about the part where we're seeing Strange, Dr. Strange going, making his hospital rounds, and on TV you have a Abbott and Costello, I believe, meet the Wolfman. Now, did they have to pay to show that on TV? That was a Universal movie back in the day, so they, yeah. you know, it was probably free of charge for them. Okay. So I didn't know if anybody else had to be paid to put this in their movie. They paid the estate of Bud Abbott. Oh, good. Very good. Just okay. over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you know by the way on the topic of things getting thrown off of bridges and whatnot i'm, I'm still partial to the uh, dog getting thrown off of the uh, bridge in suburban commando just a little aside oh yeah um was it something gets thrown off a bridge in the good sun too it was a what a dummy that looks like a person so that all the cars crash <gasps> wow well, that's a segue well, no, I'm just trying to remember every single cinematic overpass sequence. I think the Terminator spots John Connor while driving over an overpass. Yes, Terminator 2. Yeah. Um, okay, what other overpasses are there? This is the Overpass podcast, right? Yes. Much like uh, the movie of Doctor Strange, where they show a guy getting thrown off a bridge, we will bring up people getting thrown off of bridges throughout the course of this episode. <laughs> People want it. People want more people thrown off of bridges. That... We're tired of buildings. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And I know it's kind of a loose connection, but we get strange uh, putting in the overtime. It looks like it's a long day. He's maybe a 12-hour or more shift, and he's taking a little nap in his uh, his office. But also uh, this girl who's been possessed, and she doesn't recall. She's a Jane Doe, but they're both having memories of this, this scene. So that's kind of maybe setting up a... Uh, commonality or a common denominator that's going to, without having to exchange words, bring them together kind of thing. And then yeah. there's and then there's the ring that's all of a sudden we see on Strange's finger that, wait, that looks familiar, like the building that we saw in the window and the lines two ways. And, yeah. and I kind of like that the logo, as far as I can tell, is the same logo that they would use in the Doctor Strange movie and in the Doctor Strange comics. So once again, I like that this is a movie where they do show a lot of love to the source material. They obviously have to differentiate from some things that might not hold up. But for the most part, this is pretty solid in terms of keeping what's already existing in the source material. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That's right. <laughs> no, you're 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 right. I have not read many of the comics I want to get into Doctor Strange because I feel like I never, I never read uh, Marvel growing up, but I feel like this again with the occult. Contact me, please. I've been begging any any occultists out there to reach me. But uh, it's just what it's. It tickles an itch, you know. The the wizard stuff. It seems a lot of fun, and I do want to dig into it. But yeah, I mean, there are a ton of parallels between the new movie and this movie. More than I would have suspected, for sure. Maybe somebody's got to thank Harry Potter for uh, reigniting the wizard interest and sorcery and stuff for stuff that came before. <laughs> I don't know. Let's not give J.K. Rowling any more credit. <laughs> <laughs> just, just making the connection, sort of, kind of. I don't know. But the, um, the funniest thing is, uh, in regards to uh, Doctor Strange runs and stuff like that, the comics itself, the, honestly, I feel like Doctor Strange is very much a meh kind of character in terms of the actual books, but... The uh, 2017, I want to say, Donny Cates run is pretty damn dope. It's got a talking dead dog. It's pretty great. I think that's my selling point for things. I think that's where I, I stopped because I, I went with the, not so much the uh, mid to late 60s run, but the one that came after that, I assume in the late... Probably the 70s. In the, yeah, probably the... Yeah, the that's uh, how decades work. Like 74, I think, is when that run started. That I, I first became so. more like, all right, let's try to let's try to do this, and like some other titles ran up to about I don't know sixty two issues, uh, then another run picked up, and I'm pretty sure I'm I'm good with that. But again, like every a lot of everything else need to need to catch up. By the way, I think I might have said the wrong date for the new movie. It's 2016. I, see, as a professional podcaster now, I try to catch myself midway, just totally derail the conversation to correct something so I don't get a tweet at me. Well, that's hilarious. Very good. <laughs> now, Eddie, what else with the movie? What else with the movie? Well, yes, how, about, with the movie? how about Morgan trying to get into uh, the sanctum and can't do it, tries to possess a cat, and the cat kind of gets zapped, but lives. It's uh, it's okay. Can't get through that uh, electric invisible barrier. Yeah, you can zap it nine times. For... Yeah. <laughs> Should have done it eight more times. Would have then have been a shoo-in. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you know, in regards to her getting into the building, you know, she could have at least had a key card. I think that would have at least There been... was no such thing then. I don't think so. Yeah, they were just a key back then, right? No card, just key. It was probably a buzzer on the door and, hello, who is it? Can you open the door? Bzz, you know, if who is this? No. I, I don't know you. Hold on, let me try again. Yeah. Knock, knock. Same person. Uh, you going in there? Can you let me in too, please? Yeah. Uh, we get See, that to... would have been a great way for her to get in. You know, trick <laughs> Wong, just like, oh, uh, this person's got a mustache now. Clearly a different person. Uh, yes, a flowers delivery. <laughs> Which, by the way, when I look at Peter Hooten in this movie, his mustache game is completely on point, and he's very much, uh, if uh, you've ever read the comic Watchmen, just the remark of there are faces that represent a time period. Like, mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. are a part of their time. You look at Peter Hooten in this movie, he does not exist in any other time except the mid to late 1970s. Yeah, it is a glorious-looking mustache. It defines the face extremely well. Um, and they should have just gone with this giant trash stash for the new movie, too. Now, Eric, you have a, a fine mustache yourself. Okay, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now we yeah, have to yeah. put up a picture with this podcast for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a guy with a mustache because uh, growing up I liked Burt Reynolds and Errol Flynn movies, and those are probably two people... 
I shouldn't uh, uh, idolize on some level, but I'm going to say now it's a it's a it's a it's a um, salute to Peter Hooten. Oh, there we go. Okay, a little <laughs> retro action in there. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna retcon it, right? That's what we do with comics, right? We just, let's say this is the new Fifty Two of my face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, I think okay. that's going to be a new way of describing facial hair changes for myself as well. <laughs> well. We do eventually get to have uh, Stephen Strange and the the old man, Thomas Lindmer, meet up. And he knows about the ring. He knows of Stephen's parents and them being in an auto accident. Uh, at that, I think he was 18, Stephen was. Now he's 33. We have, we have now found out the Jane Doe's name as Clea. Hello, name from the comics. Very good. And uh, Strange talking to the nurse that I guess he's looking to make time with, or one of them, and, and saying, I'm on the run. And I'm saying, okay, who's the bad guy hunting you down? We didn't really get that get that far, so I thought it was just a kind of funny throwaway, maybe line type of thing. Um, and then eventually get to uh, talk about going and visiting the astral plane. You know, cut away then to to Morgan, all dressed in red, and talking to this knight Muppet. Muppet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I. I appreciate that it's like this uh, Marjorie the Trash Heap type of thing. Like, yes. just like low budget. This is supposed to be otherworldly. We're not going to just get an actor and put him in makeup. We're going to do some weird, like, talking mountain Muppet. And when I saw it initially, my immediate reaction was it reminded me of the, uh, like, it was like a, a mixture of, like, claymation or uh, the the uh, first season of SNL, the uh, Muppet segment they used to have on there it reminded me of that and i don't know why uh low budget yeah most likely yeah <laughs> that's gotta be yeah that's it the expenses were you know i gotta cut somewhere um we move to uh morgan and the nameless one in conversation again uh, apparently she is desiring a man but she sees in the reflection an old woman and, and this is one of the first i think we get t- at least two possibly three one of them i think is in darkness a, a shot of the New York City skyline, which you see the Twin Towers. And there's another memory, you know, kind of thing for, for everybody here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Absolutely. It, yeah. And it's funny because when you look at this, like, was it, it was shot in parts of New York City, right? Sure. Because I'm seeing, like, the bleaker street signs. And again, mm-hmm. going with that, just that element of, hey, we're going to be paying homage to where this takes place and all that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think some B roll. And I think a lot of it was shot on like back lots, probably in Los Angeles or something. Most likely. We have uh, in the, I guess one of the medical offices or maybe a common area, maybe it's a break room for the doctors where you've got the names of the physicians and it says Dr. Strange off duty, but on call. And uh, he goes to visit Clea, who's apparently getting better. She's playing billiards and and he, in cue the the relationship kind of music and and it's Eddie, like, Eddie, do okay. your best rendition of this kind of music. I would like to hear it because you did a little uh, shuffle just now with exactly. it. Exactly. So just like setting the mood kind Come of on, thing. Give some music. You you want to edit this and put some kind of a nope nope come no hither bit. type of no uh, no. Then you go right ahead. Okay. Although I might keep that as a sound drop of come hither. And then all of a sudden it's going to be dinner at seven. Okay, not getting involved with your patient, but you know, and they're like you can tell they're kind of like teasing at each other or or being coy or you know something could happen here but then oh, yeah. it's it's after a conversation between uh, strange linmer and wong that strange is leaving the sanctum and a black cat is at the door and he lets it in and no it's not a cat it's it's morgan and voila we have some action with morgan the old man linmer who takes such, takes him down? Such deception. Takes Wong down or something like that. Yeah. He took him down a peg. <laughs> so, so now, I enjoy I, the awkwardness of just that long silence. <laughs> uh, so well, I'm just looking at my notes here to catch up and go ahead with what we have next. But we're going to come back to after all is said and done. How Wong has remained in the same spot, and after things get better for the for the positive he's just as he was almost before he got zapped and you know taken down by by morgan but but we have the confrontation then between morgan and strange who apparently puts him in all these bracelets amulets or, and whatever and the black and red stripy or outlined um garb 
And is he trying to, to be a beagle boy from? Uh, no, the, they wore. <laughs> I was going to say who wore all the uh, all the neckwear was like Flavor Flav or something like that. I guess all. The- I got to say it again. I I love all the fight scenes in this. I think even Wong gets like covered with some type of fire at some point. Yes. Yeah, that's where he's taken down, and I thought he was just going to become a cinder. But no, that was a good thing because he, he must live. All the visual effects are super endearing. They're super of their time. The the like the astral plane where Strange is floating around. It looks like like a it's uh I have my notes I have wrote down two thousand and none instead of two thousand and one. Exact same thing. I was thinking <laughs> the exact same thing with that. Like I was getting very uh low budget uh Kubrick vibes, especially yeah. it reminded me of like they see something and then they try and ape it. Like in the 1980s when there was the Max Headroom incident, which, you know, the guy uh, pirated a uh, local PBS signal and proceeded to show his bare ass and talk about Pepsi. Right, right, right. He had a a Max Headroom mask on, and that's a really fun video you can find online these days. I once sent it to uh, somebody, and I forgot that he shows his bare ass as the person watched in front of a large group of people. (laughs) So I was really proud of that moment. But in regards to that whole thing of, like, a low rent version of it watching his version of what the uh, max headroom uh backgrounds would look like this reminded me of a low budget version of uh, 2001 right like jupiter and beyond the infinity when we're going through all the colors i mean that's I, i love the colors and that's one thing you know i'll credit the mcu big time is like it's nice to see the the whole spectrum of color oh come on you don't like you know gray and off gray of uh a certain distinguished competition (laughs) <laughs> you know what no i don't because you know why whenever i open the goddamn window it's uh, gray and off gray and life isn't worth living can i just see some color and have some fun and get to your happy place and you yes. can bond with by coincidence with other people in the room yes i want to get a psychic link with a uh, a girl that has recently assaulted an old man so i can relive that <laughs> What have we tapped into? Uh, I, I want to make one other point on that confrontation again with Morgan and Strange. And I got a religious sense in here because it reminded me of the devil tempting Jesus in his time that we read that we know on, on Earth. You know, I'll give yeah. you all this if you'll just take off the ring in this case. And he was tempted Strange by case. the fruit of another. They, they also say squeezed. that that Dr. Strange is 33 years old. So there's another Jesus. Yes. The age at which we are told Jesus died. Cool. I'm a year younger than Doctor Strange. Fantastic. That's it. That was the He's age. He's a doctor, and I'm not. And that I think was well, the age that I got married was 33. So go figure. Mazel tov, Eddie. I, if you're Peter, if you're worth your medal, you'll die next year and then come back. <laughs> yeah, top that. Mm-hmm. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, work on it. Right. Exactly. So, but of course, Stephen. I'll go Strange, look for some nails. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Okay. Carp- Jesus. Pun Car- intended. Carpenter nails. Yeah. Uh, cue, cue the carpenters. Thank you very much. Okay. I'll see what I can do in the editing. Stephen defies Morgan, and she's like I defy uh, copyrights too. Flipping out and saying, "No, I am. This cannot be. I am. I am Lilith." She says, "Hear me roar." God and damn, and then you know, and then at the end of her rant is, "Answer me, answer me, answer me." So she's like in, in bad shape. But again, like I had mentioned, at the Sanctum, Wong is now okay. Linmer is okay. He survived a lot of stuff, that Lindmer guy, first getting thrown off the bridge. See, we went for, back to the bridge. See, again, we're talking and, have we, in the the amount of time, figured out any more bridge scenes, by the way, in <laughs> cinema history? I have not, but this the guy that plays Lindmer uh, was the father in Swiss Family Robinson, so he's survived tragedies and, and uh, you know, conflict before. Here we go, right. Yeah, but did he fall off a bridge? Uh, Personally, you're, you're out in the wilderness now with that, I think, aren't you? So, anywho, they don't have bridges. Well, they do have bridges in the wilderness from time to time if you want to cross <laughs> a boat, like a brook. Well, so yeah, sure. or like when a tree falls the just the right way. Does anybody hear it if nobody's in there in the forest? Okay, mm-hmm. and we uh, we earlier hear that uh, Stephen Strange will not refer to anybody as master, but now he kind of comes around full circle in a way and accepts this this calling. So, he's into BDSM. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, well, they they certainly like outfits, the colorful outfits, and, and I could see a whip being involved eventually. Well, that's coming into play now because we go from the uh, the, the Morgan version of Doctor Strange, the black again with the red outlined uh, cape and, you know, 
all garb configuration to let the transmutation begin and the robes change and it's a i'm calling it a mustard yellow cape and a darker type of uh, vestment with this funky star configuration on his chest that reminded me of a different care i'm like i don't not do not remember this at all you know for for a doctor strange character i don't know who does that remind you i'm thinking of a, a later dazzler outfit that kind of a star in the middle or a captain marvel a dark captain mm. marvel possibly that that shows or, up or maybe captain oh not a captain uh dr mordred have you guys ever seen dr mordred no i'm thinking of a no it's a 1992 Doctor Strange ripoff starring uh, Jeffrey Coombs from uh, The Reanimator as as Doctor Mordred, and it's 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 like this movie just made in '92, and it's also worth checking out. Another another B rate, maybe low budget, um, not for not for movie release kind of thing. I don't know. I think it actually did come out. Maybe I'll uh, peep the IMDb real quick, but. Uh, for whatever reason, I had bought this on uh, on DVD, and I bought uh, Doctor Mordred on. I don't know if it's on Blu-ray or not, but uh, it looks like it's on Amazon Prime Video, directed by Albert and Charles Brand, uh, Band. So uh, it's it's a recommend from me. A double feature anywhere in the world. I'm t- I keep tossing Mordred in my head. I'm thinking, was there a Mordred the Mystic in in Marvel, and possibly I don't know, like sure. Marvel Chillers or Marvel Supernaturals Why featuring. Not? When in a '70s comic title, I think something to that effect. Doctor Druid, I'm thinking of also now. Yes, no, maybe. Of, I always think of Doctor Druid. Oh, here's here's another selling point for Doctor Mordred. As you know, the the film in question today, the the, the Doctor Strange '78, 93 minutes long. Ooh, oh, Doctor Mordred, an hour and 14 minutes. <laughs> you save time. Yeah, you are in and you are out. You just made the cut for being a movie length i think right if, if it's... <laughs> yes exactly under the wire yeah like 90 minutes then if you're under you're not going to cut it i i think if that's what the uh guideline was well who can forget the hour and 20 minute long movie action park starring johnny knoxville everyone <laughs> everyone <laughs> <laughs> i certainly did i never saw it ditto i saw it in a theater Oh, remember those? I sure. I actually had tickets to go see a movie fairly recently, and then canceled because I'm like, "Well, I don't have my second Grampy shot." Oh shit! Oh, sorry if I. You, you can that. you can say as much as you want. Oh, okay. Then I'm gonna say shit again. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. May I have another? I'm just. <laughs> uh, more. Could we get uh, some shit for the table, please? Thank you. This is some good. Okay. We're getting close to the end of the film, thank goodness. And uh, some some advice from Wong and the Ancient One speaking to Stephen. I believe it's him saying, you're like a child with a loaded gun. <laughs> Great line. Great visual. I Yeah. <laughs> what have I become? More than a man. Okay. Okay. You know. And <laughs> I've, yeah. I've become more than a man. I've astral projected. I've started to learn the mysteries of the universe. Really, I'm kind of like a child with a gun. I guess, I, you know what, it's fair fair did you say yeah because it's like you know like he doesn't know what this power unlocks and a and a child doesn't really know how fast those bullets go that's <laughs> exactly right yeah or how they even discharge from the weapon but yeah so you want to practice by shooting off an overpass first just to get a sense we got uh, another one okay we're happy for that overpass <laughs> boy Put an extra time in over there. Uh, well, now we've got a TV news story going on on the TV. And look who's there. It's Morgan Le Fay. And, uh, and some kind of uh, method, this interview, and her saying, uh, using your own powers to get what you want out of life. There's good advice. Very Tony Robbins-esque. For Domin- right. Or like The Secret or something. And she, so she's like, come back. But like, but prior to this, she was banished or, or she was turned old. Did we mention that? By the, by the demons? Yeah. Well, we had shades of that earlier, yes, and now again, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so she got turned into a grampy herself, and was supposed to be damned or whatever. But I, you know, I guess this this uh, you know cliffhanger type of ending, she she gets back out from this nether space she was, and uh, to run amok again. Hopefully, the the movie goes to series, but it did not. Or she get or she gets stuck on this uh, astral this plane of existence. 
without fulfilling whatever she wanted to become was all powerful or something like that. Or or Lilith, Queen of Demons, I believe, is what that part was. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, uh, Lilith, that's a character from the comics, too, so good move there. Um, but I think, and I don't think there's really much uh, relevance to seeing the end where uh, Strange and Clea are walking, I guess, past the TV store where they're seeing Morgan yeah. on TV, right? And, uh, and the ending, of course, the reporter just saying, from the new mall in downtown Manhattan, I'm Agnes Carson, WBIS News. And one of, one of my favorite things in, in motion pictures and motion picture history is, you know, the wall of TVs, the TV store. It is such a great exposition device that has kind of fallen by the wayside these days. Especially because you can never hear the actual TV nowadays <laughs> through the, the glass yeah. windows. You can never yeah. hear that. They were just blaring at a full volume. I think the last TV wall in a window, store window, was maybe Watchmen, actually, speaking of Zack Snyder. Oh, was there? Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think I think someone throws a Molotov into it or something. Well, that's probably be- the reason we don't have this anymore is because of vandalism. And if, there's a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and if there's a blackout like there was in 77 or 78, yeah, mass rioting and looting and rampaging and stuff like that. Yeah. But I do remember a wall of TV sort of kind of set up, and that is to one of my favorite movies, and that's Eddie and the Cruisers. Wow, you know, I I think I, I've seen that at some maybe high school. I would have to go back. Sure, I gotta do I gotta do a whole biker series, right? I gotta watch a bunch of biker movies. Well, Only if you wear think... a uh, cut off denim vest. Yeah, that wouldn't <laughs> that doesn't fall under um, under that category though of movie. It's more like the rock and roll band flashback '60s type of thing. But it's there at the was, end of the movie was, that that happens. Yeah, there was a there was a good uh, biker movie. I think it, uh, not good, but it was like the Hell's Angels get sent to Vietnam to fight. Uh, really B level stuff, and I don't remember the title, but I remember the idea of it being funner than it actually was. <laughs> Let me just put the wrap on the very ending scenes here, and that has Strange and Clea again walking toward the apartment where she's at and setting up the date again at 7. And the next day, because it's it's daylight, that's, there's your giveaway, there's a street there's a street music, uh, musician, a street magician out there doing a couple little tricks for the folks that have gathered around. And you hear a little sound effect of uh, Dr. Strange influencing the trick that he's done to change what he was going to get out of the, I guess, the red handkerchief sort of, and uh, a dove comes up, and again, it's a little type of music, just the opposite sound or feel of what Morgan's magic influence was. But the thing I was going to mention is that street magician looks really familiar. I didn't look at the credits enough to, to say, oh, I wonder who that was, and say, oh, yeah, that's the name of it. But I, I recognize that face. I don't know who. Greta Garbo. From that time. Mail. Larry Anderson. I'm on IMDb right now. It looks like he was an anchorman on Mad Men at some point. It looks like he's been working. Uh, he looks like he's just like a, a TV actor, really just a regular, regular TV actor. Mad Men, uh, uh, Boston Public before that, The OC. This Is Us recently. Um, Law and Order True Crime in 2017. Other... Yeah, I mean, this guy, Castle, this guy's been all over the place. I was going to say maybe in the 80s on a sitcom that he was, yes, a character actor. And I just, you know, unless he was in some commercial that was running endlessly on TV. Night Court, he was uh, Martin Fleming. I guess that might have been uh, John Larroquette's brother. Okay. He's no bull, though. We know that. <laughs> There's <laughs> only one bull. There's only one bull. Right. Uh, could we have some uh, more shit for the table? Uh, <laughs> and bolt, that's so the movie. Throw that one off the bridge now. <laughs> I'd like to throw a big bag of it over the over the bridge and see if we can hit a turnip truck. See what sticks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, overall, I mean, myself with this movie, I feel like I was fine with it up until the third act where it basically, no pun intended, did in fact fall off a bridge. And just how do you break this down into acts? It's a movie, not a play. But the three act <laughs> film structure, structure. Mm. Well, how do I, I how do I know what went? What part did it go from one? Yeah, you want to look up my notes and tell me where it went from that to that, and then I might go, oh yeah, no, right. no. Narrator, <laughs> rewind. Mm-hmm. I do think that it it feels like we have a an ending, and then it kind of just continues for another ten minutes or so. I I am in complete agreement because when we get to the part where. He's talking with Morgan Le Fay at the end. Everything, you know, is resolved. And she become, you know, she becomes a grampy. And 
Yep. There's still another 12 or 13 minutes. I'm like, wait, it's not over. <laughs> so overall, it's it it, it it we'll do the style of what you guys do when we hit movies. But for me, it's a solid recommend just because of what it is. It's such a unique oddity in the history of Marvel. It's for me, it's one of those I watched it dreading it, just like I did when we got to Punisher in 1989, starring the Dol- the the Whoa. great Dolph Lundgren. Great movie. Are you 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 agree now though? Now that you've seen it, you agree that the Punisher 89 is is a, is good stuff. It's one of the most underrated comic book movies ever made, in my opinion. And like that's, it's so strange of me to say that, pun intended, with this oh. episode. But <laughs> I I just love it because like. You take it as what it is from that time period of cheesy, over-the-top action movie, just guns and kablooies, just all that stuff. There's just something about that. It's great. And it even has the a proto scene, a prototype scene of the Joker and Batman with the great Louis Gossett Jr. talking to <laughs> Dolph Lundgren in the, uh, the jail cell. It reminds me of Dark Knight where Joker and Batman are getting into an argument. I'm going to have to revisit this. It's been a while. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some influence drawn because I believe Nolan was talking about like the street movies or whatever, I guess crime. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's so odd, the the visual potentially of Christopher Nolan just sitting there watching a VHS copy of The Punisher. <laughs> I feel like it, it's had to have happened. I mean, he was he had to have been a, a young man at some point. I know... He's always been wearing the suits and acting like he was born a Grampy, but there there has to be a story of the young Nolan. I uh, I tend to agree about this movie. I think it is a pretty much must watch if you want to know and go a little deeper into the character of Stephen Strange. Although, like I said, same characteristics, especially when you first meet him, arrogant, full of himself, like he's all that and a bag of chips. And but that's what the character. Uh, description calls for and that was executed i think pretty well and the overall tone of the movie reminded me of some i was trying to think what similarity it could have to anything else i might have seen and i think of the spider-man tv movie and i'm like yes similar music and similar unwinding of how they did the plot development and how it came and you know got all tied up nice and neat at the end maybe not in that case leading into what could possibly happen after this is done but that's the first one that uh, that came to mind. And then, of course, I think from there we go into the TV show of The Incredible Hulk, and that's another story. And it's, it's just very odd to me that this movie utilizes so much content from the source material, whereas, you know, back in the day you have The Incredible Hulk TV show where Lou Ferrigno is tussling with Andre the Giant in a fur coat calling him uh, Bigfoot. And it's just <laughs> the idea of, you know, like they're going to, even at that point, we're not going to call him Bruce Banner because Bruce is "quote unquote" a gay name per them back in the day. So what? That's supposedly one of the things of why they changed him to Bob Banner or something. No, David. D- David Banner. They David Bruce it. Banner. And in every, Weird. not in every episode, but and I was watching. I've only gotten into the second season because I do own the was it five seasons of Incredible Hulk. But wherever, you know, they give. Bill Bixby's character, David, a name, he'll come up with a different last name. Usually that starts with B. You know, David Benton, David Baxter, David Bailey. And in a couple of cases, you don't have his name at all. Uh, Strange as that might sound. Oh, there's a pun, too. But it's uh, it's what, uh, you know, I'll have to, that'll be something else to just break down and go on the side. Here's the name of this David characters in the Incredible Hulk series. But, yeah, David Bruce Banner. And you see that, I believe, every opening of every episode that's part of the uh, the footage from that and by the way going back over to the name of bruce banner it was lou ferrigno himself who confirmed this and explained to tmz because you know it's a credible news source (laughs) explained that back in 1977 cbs felt the name bruce was quote kind of gayish end quote okay And you, you guys talking about the accuracy of, of this film. Uh, I read on Wikipedia that supposedly Stan Lee had more influence over this particular project than other ones. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. That absolutely makes perfect sense. And again, you know, at one point, like, I, I like Doctor Strange, but in terms of, you know, overall knowledge of the characters, 
I have like a little bit of a little bit of knowledge, and then it just falls off. So when Eddie's going on saying, "Oh, just like the character in the comic," I'm like, "Okay, sure. I've never heard of that <laughs> one, but sure. Oh, you could, Eddie, you could say the guy Greg, and I would be like, "Yes, I absolutely <laughs> agree. My favorite Doctor Strange character, Greg." But <laughs> see that Peter Melnick, Sorcerer Supreme enthusiast. I think Greg needs his own movie at this point. He's my favorite part of the Fantastic Four. He's just so <laughs> great. I mean, you, you right? They are running out. They're going to run out of comic book characters. Get Greg in there. Get Baron von Munchausen into the MCU. <laughs> you lost me after Baron von, but anyway. <laughs> so now, Eric. Overall, you would say this is also a solid recommend for you. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. I I love the the visual effects. Uh, uh, Jessica Walter, fantastic in this role. Uh, Hooten's a hoot. Um, it's it. <laughs> uh, I somehow I just thought of it, which is uh, that shows my cognitive decline that it took me this long to get there. But uh, I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and it has more in common with the source material I know now than I did before. I'm going to take a Doctor Strange run, I think, a reading run. That is going to put a bow on this episode. But before we go, Eric, thank you so much for your time today. Thank, thank you guys for having me. It's, it's, been a, it's been a ton of fun. And a long time coming, I think, too. So, yeah, good deal. And before we go, Eric, how can people get a hold of you on social media, and how can people listen to you in the world of podcasting? Yeah, uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm trying to get uh, followers not so easy. Uh, E-R-I-C-S-Z-Y-S-Z-K-A. And you can uh, listen to We Hate Movies. You go to whmpodcast.com or just search We Hate Movies anywhere. Podcasts are available and something should pop up. But And if you want more like weird uh, old TV talk, uh, check out uh, tjhookerpodcast.com uh, and uh, search Hooked on TJ Hooker on uh, wherever you get podcasts, and that should also be available. Me and my friend Ben Wooster have been recapping every single episode of TJ Hooker once a month. We are up to almost, we're getting closer to the end of season three, so we're we're, we're chugging along. How long was that run, series, whatever? Uh, TJ Hooker was 82 to 86, and we started our podcast in or January 2017, and we're definitely going to be a longer time making the podcast than they spent making the TV show. Yeesh. Are you, <laughs> will you be going to Boston Legal immediately after? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I don't know what will uh, await for us then. That is a overpass we will, get, we will cross when we get there. Eric, let me get the spelling of your last name again. It's S-Z-Y-S-Z- K A. What's funny is when you know when I was a younger man and uh, people asking me my name, I'm like, yeah, it's a uh, S Z Y S Z. You said S Z already. <laughs> <laughs> no, like but this is how it is. Here, it. here's my birth certificate. S Z Y S Z K A, and it's pronounced Siska. Yes, yes, yes. We we Americanized it. If you're Polish, you can call me Shishka. You can call me whatever you want. I don't really care. Well, you Americanized the pronunciation of it. I think the spelling stayed stayed Polish somewhat. No. Yeah, that's that is true. That is true. But uh, yeah, welcome to the uh, Ellis Island podcast. I <laughs> I, I don't it, mean to you know harp on this, but I was going to say when I first heard Siska, I go, oh, S I S K A, and you know what? That's the answer to why you're not getting followers. It's the spelling of the last name. Damn it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's a tough one. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm I'm keeping it for whatever reason. I I really should have changed it to strange. No, it's fun. Uh, it's strange. <laughs> that's it. Just don't go off a but, bridge. <laughs> you know, you kind of go, you kind of become Siska because you know all your teachers in school don't know that the uh like z's or h's or whatever in in poland and uh also i don't really care <laughs> i'm uh, yeah you're not at the age where you weren't forced that if you went to parochial or catholic high school that you had to uh catholic grammar school that you had to you know write with your right hand you were beaten if you you know did with your left you're you're past that point correct yeah well i went to public school and i was still beaten <laughs> so i must have been doing something wrong okay enough said for the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Eric Siska. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior!
It's Obsessed with Marvel with our guest, Eric Siska, again from We Hate Movies. Eric, thanks for sticking around. Yeah, no problem. And speaking of round, here we go. This is from Obsessed with Marvel, if you're not sure. Yeah, well, it's tough. It is. And out of 2,500 questions, I have to say this is question number 2499. Wow. Not that we're almost done with the book, but we're close to one of the ends of the Mm, number of questions. So that's something in itself. So this is when Blade Runner takes place. (laughs) (gasps) No way. (laughs) That movie is literally me. Really? No. It's, it's, Such a, a, it's, a, it's a good one. Uh, Such a I, like, I like both of them. Okay. I went to go see 2049, and as I'm in the theater, this was New York Comic Con weekend, and I go in thinking it's a two-hour movie. I was wrong. <laughs> I did not get home until, or I did not get back to the uh, apartment that night until maybe 1.30 in the morning. It kind of feels like it's illegal to make a movie under two hours these days, huh? <laughs> Hashtag, I'm not even going to go there. Anywho. Twenty-four ninety-nine reads: Which Western hero's real last name was Leibowitz? Leibowitz. I'm just going to go as L-I-E-B-O-W-I-C-Z. Which Western hero's real last name was Leibowitz? Was it Kid Cassidy, the Two Gun Kid, the Black Rider, or the Rawhide Kid? Leibowitz. Kid Cassidy, Two Gun Kid, the Black Rider, the Rawhide Kid. Eric, you uh, get to choose yeah. first. I, I will say Cassidy because it's the only one I recognize out of that list. I knew Rawhide Kid. That was the only one I knew, but I'm going to go with Cassidy on that one. And I, and I recognize everybody but the Black Rider. <laughs> Doesn't mean I know what their real names are. So, okay, in honor of our guest, Eric, we'll go with letter A, Kid Cassidy. And that is not correct. The answer oh. is B, the two-gun kid. Oh, we, have to, we have time to time to catch up on the Western reading stuff now, too. All right, what article of clothing do I have to remove? <laughs> this is not that kind of game. No one has ever said that to us, any gender. <laughs> but food for thought. Anywho, what? I have a bookmark and it's in the wrong spot. Yikes. And I don't. You know, I did not I didn't even know it was going to be multiple choice, and my, my guess would have been uh, General Armstrong Custer. Although I guess he's not a hero, but I mean I don't know when this thing was published. So 2008, I think we uh, have said before. I was thinking it'd be the Zapruder Kid. <laughs> okay, question number six one nine. Which of Spider-Man's enemies is a master of sumo wrestling? Is it the big one, Craven the Hunter? Is it Kane, the Kingpin, or Morlin, which is M O R L U N? Which of Spider-Man's enemies is a master of sumo wrestling? Craven the Hunter, Kane, the Kingpin, or Morlin? I have a guess. I'm going to go with Kingpin. I'm thinking Kingpin. Big boy. Big chunk. Wow. Yeah. You know what's funny is I was gravitating towards Kingpin because it was the name I recognized. And I think, and it's not just because of the gentleman's size and physical shape overall, but but I think we have seen him in comics, whether it's been Spider-Man or Daredevil. He is just like, you know, hand to hand, you're done. You know, it ain't happening. So, C. Yes, one for two. Way to go, guys. Let us wait till we shuffle around and get to the next Let us question pray. number. Let, well, if you want to, I mean, that's fine. We move up just a little bit to question number 791. I enjoy how Eddie keeps the sound effects in of a book turning pages. That's exactly right. <laughs> Who is not a member of Odin's family? Boy, these choices are... Eddie Wilson. B- well, that'd be obvious. Bury, which is B-U-R-I, Laufey, L-A-U-F-E-Y, Villy, V-I-L-I, or V-V-E. I have to spell all these. I'm sorry. Who is not a member of Odin's family? Bury, Laufey, Villy, or V. I only heard of Laufey, I think. <laughs> I don't know if that's an answer, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I'll guess I'll go. Well, Billy was one of them. Whichever one sounds like a Bjork song. Bury, B-U-R-I. That was the first one. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. What, do, what, what are you guys thinking? I, he, Peter's just going along with you. and I I'm like thinking, the way Snrub thinks. Well, you know, don't go along with me. Okay. I'm going to say, because it's got the least letters, perhaps letter D, V, E. I mean, would you even bother having a name like that? But anyway, no, it's not yeah. D. The answer is B, Laufey. Ah. <sighs> 
again, it's the one. It's the one that you kind of recognized, right? It's kind of like, recognized. It's like yeah. okay, but does that mean it's the answer? But yeah, okay, fine. Anyway, turns out most most of the time it is. It seems. Uh, sometimes you feel like a nut. Mm-hmm. Am I gonna have to use your that? Mi- your mind is like a steel trap. Is what I'm trying to say. Rusty and will never spring. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we have the uh, bluechew.com WD 40 or something. Yeah, okay. Uh, 2087 says, What is the name of the second caretaker in Ghost Rider who succeeded the original in 2008? All right, so is it Marie, Louise, Sarah, or Elaine? What is the name of the second caretaker in Ghost Rider who succeeded the original in 2008? So, so caretaker is, is this the person that became Ghost Rider? Is this the person like washing their their leather jacket? What what is going? <laughs> I think from the movie, the caretaker was a Ghost Rider, Sam Elliott. But, right, but the, and then in the, in the second movie, someone else played that role. Right, and this is this is not about the film, though. Right? No, it's not the film at all. I would say I definitely. The, not. I love the visual of Ghost Rider taking his jacket off and having to put on like you know a little uh, little uh, bathrobe, you know, so he does not he's not cold. Mm-hmm. Cold? <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. All right, Marie, Louise, Sarah, or Elaine? Second caretaker yeah. and ghostwriter who succeeded the original in 2008. It feels like Louise. It feels like Louise. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm somewhere between Sarah and Elaine myself, but but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have the book, so I guess I'm going to shoot with uh, try for Elaine D. No, not that oh, again. I hope it's Louise. But it is Sarah. <laughs> oh, Oh jeez! Hey Peter, you know why the uh, that uh, Ghost Rider needs to wear a bathrobe is so no one sees his boner. <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, <laughs> bad, Eric. Bad. Yeah. All right, so we're one for four. <laughs> the way I reckon it. Should we try a fifth just because we're having? Well, a fifth Let's might not be it. a bad idea to pass around, but okay. Mm-hmm. Let's just do one more, and that's it, really, really. It is. 1,001. Watch, it's going to be one of Eddie's paragraph questions. Oh, well, that's possible, too, because each page has a paragraph-long question. So, 1,001 is not that. It is. What was Thor's civilian profession? Doctor. When he had his secret identity of Sigurd Jarlson. Oh, well, shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, Sigurd, S-I-G-U-R-D, Jarlson, J-A-R-L-S-O-N. What was Thor's civilian profession when he had his secret identity of Sigurd Jarlson? Swedish. Paramedic, architect, surgeon, or construction worker? I don't know what time period of Thor's is in, (laughs) so I'm in bad shape in more than one way. I got this, guys. I know it. It's architect. It's architect. Okay. I can see that. And why do you know that per se? I just like the way it sounds. I feel like if I feel like Thor got into some art vandalay type of shenanigans at some point. Stint, why not give him some other job for crying out loud? Okay. Paramedic is similar to surgeon in the medical thinking, blah blah blah. So architect. All right, so Eric says B architect. So ah, it is D construction worker. Ah. Uh, you know, I just did not. I did not expect that. I felt like a, you know, a, uh, a construction worker should have a more, uh, you know, Ham and Egger kind of name, like like I don't know, like Dick Tom or something. Or Randy from the Village People, maybe. No, I... <laughs> Dick the Hammer Dick. Oh, we out of Dick the Hammer Dick. Yes, I like it. Done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>